and then I'll read Exodus chapter 19. Our Father, we thank you that uh, the Bible tells us uh, how we might be close to you, really close, but in a way that understands you and treats you as we should. And we pray that you help us to learn how to relate to you well tonight, that we might live with you well. And we pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Exodus chapter 19, verse 1. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai and encamped before the mountain, while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord had spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Look, behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you, and may also believe you forever. When Moses told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. And let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And you shall set limits to people all around saying, take care not to go up onto the mountain or to touch the edge of it. Whoever touches a mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. And he said to the people, be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. So all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went 
up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpets grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain. And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain. And Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord, and look, and many of them perish. Also let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord breaks out against them. And Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come, to Mount, cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you yourself warned us, saying, Set limits around the mountain and consecrate it. And the Lord said to him, Go down and come up, bringing Aaron with you, but do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. Well, here we are. We've got a bit of peace and quiet. Let me ask you, as we begin, what is the secret of a good marriage. Now most people haven't got serious answers to that. They've got lots of jokes. So that uh, and the secret of good marriage, they say, is to find a woman who is sexy, uh, to find a woman who can cook, uh, to find a woman who will make a good mother to your children, and make sure none of those women meet each other. Uh, that's the secret to a good marriage. Well, you might like to buy that, but uh, someone else said, look, the secret to a good marriage is always, when you're outside with your wife, hold her hand. Whenever you're outside in public with your wife, hold your hand. Why? To show that you're married? No, because if you let go, she goes shopping. Uh, so, the secret to a good marriage is to... Uh, is to uh, uh, basically, uh, uh, to jokes. But people discovered that jokes don't actually make a good marriage. And so what people do these days is before they get married, they go on a marriage preparation course so that they can uh, think through what it's going to be like to live together. And that's what you get in Exodus chapter 19, a kind of marriage preparation course, because God's people are going to be joined by God by a covenant like a marriage. And before the big day comes, they are told how to get ready for the big day, how to live with this God and to live well. And I think the marriage preparation that we have in Exodus chapter 19 comes in two parts. First, you've got to know who you are. Second, do you want to guess? You've got to know who God is. Okay? So first, you've got to know who you are. Now, I didn't check the Farsi on this. So... All through this talk, Google Translate may get this wrong. I apologize. 
but know who you are. And the first thing that they have to know, if you look at verses 3 and 4, is that God loves them. And you see that in verses 3 and 4. While Moses went up to God, the Lord called him out the mountain, saying, You say this to the house of Jacob, tell the people of Israel, You've seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you out of Egypt. In other words, these guys had a stunning engagement. Because God rescued them. They had a rescue by eagle wing in verse 4. In other words, airlifted from the worst nightmare life possible. They were slaves under a tyrant called Pharaoh. And it's the worst life imaginable, but God raised them above any harm that Pharaoh could do. It's a lovely way to describe it. I lifted you up eagle's wings. You were too weak, but I carried you. And I brought you here. And... In verse 4, their destination is God himself. In verse 4, he finishes by saying, I brought you to myself. The end of the journey is me. And it's a lovely engagement where God has kept his promise. Long, long, long ago, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 12, God told man, uh, Moses, a long time ago, that he would do this. So in Exodus chapter 3, verse 12, he says, This will be a sign for you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will serve God on this mountain. At that stage, it just didn't seem like it was ever going to happen. But now, that promise has been kept. Right through the engagement, God's kept his promise. Now they are here, and they are at the mountain. And in the past, he's shown them He's kept his promises, and in the future, he is going to show them how much he loves them. Three ways he tells them that. First, he tells them they are his treasured possession. Uh, I don't know if uh, it looks like that. No, no, no. Uh, Saha says that is not what the Farsi should mean. Uh, Google fail. Okay, forget that, Farsi. They are his treasured possession. Look, if you look at verse 5, all the earth is his. He could have chosen anyone, but he chose them. But it wasn't because they'd won a beauty contest in the beautiful wife category. They weren't that special, really. Look, just look on just a few pages to Deuteronomy chapter 7. And verse 7, I'll tell you what page number it is when I get there. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7. It's on page 152. Page 152, have a look. Deuteronomy 7, verse 7. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you are the fewest of all people. You're nothing special. And yet, out of all the nations of the world, you are his treasured possession. Huh. We've got, uh, in England, a, a little story called uh, Cinderella. Anyone know the story of Cinderella? Cinderella, right. Okay. Now, Cinderella uh, is a very beautiful girl, but she's a servant. And Prince Charming 
is a very powerful prince. And in the story, Prince Charming loves the servant girl, Cinderella, who's very beautiful. But this is not like the Cinderella story. This is like Prince Charming loving one of her ugly sisters. He could have chosen anyone, and he chose the ugly sister. That's the way God says, but you are not considered ugly. You are considered my treasured possession. And that is uh, how uh, much I love you. And so God's love, when he comes to us, and we realize that we are not that lovely ourselves, uh, God's love should always have this effect on us. We should be saying, why me? I can think of millions of people better than I. Why did you choose me? And yet God says, you are my treasured possession. I've chosen you. That fantastic way of God saying, I love you. Another thing he says is that you are a nation, uh, you are a priest, uh, a kingdom of priests. Now, priests are always close to God. They can talk to God anytime they want. And that tells you straight away that this God does not want a religion of rules. We might think that's what he wants when you see the Ten Commandments coming up. No. He wants a relationship with conversation. Priests talk to him. And uh, here they are. Um, uh, able to do that. One of the greatest frustrations in any relationship, any marriage even, is when there's no communication. That can actually put a strain. It can almost end the relationship. But here it's not like that. Uh, uh, here, God is permanently available and close. That's not true even for the most important people. Mr. Philip May, who's the Prime Minister's husband, can't always get hold of his wife, Teresa. Uh, because she might be at work and he may not be able to get to her. There's times when there's, even when you love someone, you can't get through to them. But with God, always you get through. Even if you feel like you aren't getting through to him and that your prayer is bouncing off the ceiling, even so, God's promise is, you are kingdom of priests. I'm always going to be listening. And they are to be a holy nation. Now, that's an unusual word because nations is usually the word the Bible is only going to use for people who are outside God's kingdom. They call them the nations. But this time, it's an unusual word. So I think the only time it's done about Israel is called a nation. In other words, they are in that sense like everybody else, but they are holy. They are the place where God lives. And therefore, they are to show what living with God is like. My wife and I uh, uh, are, are buying a house. Uh, we want to buy a house that uh, uh, was uh, reasonably new, so it would be uh, uh, cheap to run. Uh, and so we went on to this building site. And uh, uh, it looked a bit like this. And uh, there's people building houses everywhere. But on that building site, there was one 
show house. That's not the one they're buying. Um, but you walk in this show house and you've got the most upmarket furniture and everything else. You look and you say, wow, I want to live here. And that's what it's like to be God's people. The nations look and say, this holy nation, I, I want to live here. I want to live with uh, this group of people. And so, uh, God's people are to be a magnet to everybody else, to show them what it's like to belong to God. So there they are. They are a treasured possession. Really a nothing special people. They are weak. They were slaves. Uh, They often grumbled. They weren't all that great. But God said, treasured possession. God is always looking at you and saying, treasured possession. If you belong to the Lord Jesus. Know who you are. But point two, know who God is. And that is described by that one word we've been singing about and thinking about even before we start looking at Exodus chapter 19. That word is holy. That's, that, 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 that word is him. That, that's what God is like. And if you are to be his people, but you don't know what he is like, if you're going to be his, but you don't know what it's like, the, the danger is not divorce. The danger is death. But don't get me wrong. This is not the threat of a bully saying, I'm holy, and if you don't do what I say, you're going to be toast. Now, this is the God who warns anyone how to stay safe with him. And so he tells people how that can be when he is so holy and he wants yet them to be so safe. Now he wants to say, what does it mean to be holy? Uh, give me some help with this. Okay, think about a nuclear reactor. Uh, we have nuclear reactors and they're good things and they keep us warm and they keep the lights on and uh, they uh, um, uh, provide electricity and so on for all sorts of things. We cook by it and so on. Now, nuclear reactors are very good things. Okay? Don't ever think a nuclear reactor is a, a, a bad thing, just unless, of course, it goes wrong. But when it's working properly, it's a good thing. But at the same time, you don't just simply walk into a nuclear reactor. You put on protective clothes and even then you don't get too close. And if you're not clear what a nuclear reactor is and you take risks, well, you will die. And in verse 10, uh, they are to understand this truth about God that uh, he is uh, wonderfully gracious and the source of life and all that they need but this is what God's nature is like you can't just simply think that he's like you because he's just so different and therefore in verse 10 
they are to be as clean as they possibly can be. Uh, that would be uh, true of every wedding, isn't it? Um, I, 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 I don't know, uh, but um, uh, if you're a bloke, I think generally a wedding is, is probably the cleanest day of your life. Uh, I know that when my son, uh, David, married Leah, uh, I start the wedding by saying, well, here we are, after hours in front of the mirror, after gallons of perfume have been poured, after a fortune's been spent on the hairdresser, I've never seen David look so well. Um, it, it's just, it's just uh, a wonderful thing that uh, uh, you know, we, we, we want to be clean. And that's true with God, not on the outside in terms of what we wear. That's less important, but we want to be clean. Well, if you're going to come close to God like this. And then in verse 15, we ought to be focused. He says, no sex. Not because sex is bad. But because at this moment in time, they are to be focused on God first. And then enjoy his good gift after they have been set apart for him. So they are to be focused and uh, uh, full of love for this God and then other love would fit into place. And even then, they wouldn't be clean enough and therefore there needed to be protective boundaries. And it's basically uh, how uh, it is with a nuclear reactor in some ways you want protective clothing but even so you can get the reactor you don't want to get too close and same here they get to the foot of the mountain but boundaries are set and as you look you see the mountain is discovered in, uh, uh, divided into three parts you've got the people at the bottom you've got the priests uh, uh, on uh, 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 the the, the uh, slopes in verse 22, and you've got Moses invited to come all the way to the top. Three parts, the priests, uh, the people, the priests, uh, and then uh, the, the one person uh, with, with Aaron, the high priest. And we're going to be seeing later that when uh, the people of God build a temple, uh, there will be these three divisions in it. And if you're here for the Bible study on Tuesday, we'll be looking at that in a little bit more detail. But all along, what God wants his people to know is what he is like as a person. And he is holy. And we need to understand that he really is not like us. And we need, therefore, to really take that in and think it through so that we can be safe with him. He is holy, so don't take risks. Because I tell you, this is our danger. You can see that in verses 21 to 25, that God knows that people want to step over boundaries. And so he says, look, uh, don't be reckless. Don't overstep the mark. God is saying, don't push the limits. And Moses says, look, no worries on that one. I've told them already. God says, go and tell them again. I'm really not bluffing. 
And the Lord said to him, Go down and come up, bringing Aaron with you. But do not let the priests of the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. And so Moses went out to the people and told them. Now, what can we learn for ourselves from this? If you are someone, maybe you've got to that point in, in honesty where you say, but I'm not a Christian, but I want to find out. And I'd really love to know if there really is a God or not. And it would be such a help if, if I, somehow God could kind of meet with me and show me in a clear way that he is there. That would help me so much. My friends, can I tell you that that would not help you? In fact, it would kill you if God was to have a one-to-one -one with you. Now, what God does, this is how he does it. He takes the most unimpressive group of people, in this case called Beckentry Church, and what he does is uh, he shows you how much God loves an unimpressive group of people. And when you begin to see a God who loves a group like this, then you begin to understand that there could be a God that loves you, even though you may not have all the qualifications that count. And then you begin to see that actually belonging to this God is not belonging to a religion, is to belong to a relationship as close as a marriage where you become his treasured possession. Where he is always looking to you to relate to him and his ears are open to every word. And where he'll make you live like him and for him and make you a show home for everybody else to see what it's like to live in God's place. So the first thing he will begin to do is to show you how much he loves. But at the same time, he is holy. He'll keep you safe as long as you understand what he is like and don't step over the boundaries that he has set. Look, he wants to protect you. He, he'd even sent his son to die for you to protect you from his anger, but he just couldn't do more. But please don't think that he is a toy, a God you can use for when you like and then throw out the window when you're finished. Now, take him for who he is. This is what God really is like. And if you want to understand him, you need to understand both his love and his holiness. And treat him with deep reverence for the God that he is. And if you're religious, maybe many people go to church. And the big question to ask is, has your past experience with church given you a fear of God as well as a father in God? 
Now, the reason I'm asking that is because uh, we don't always get that. We hear lots about how God loves you and la-di-da, and we all kind of go along with all of that. But have you heard that God is holy? And that, therefore, there are boundaries, therefore, we don't want to take risks. Have you understood the fear of God? as well as the fatherhood of God. Anyone who really wants to become a Christian in a long-term relationship with God needs to have both those things in their mind. God is Father, and you fear the God who is holy as well. And while calling him Father, you... Uh, you begin to uh, see how, well, he needs to be treated with deep reverence if you are to uh, live with him uh, and stay with him. And if you are a Christian, then I think what we need to understand is we need to go from a marriage preparation course to see that this is also a church, a Christian preparation course. Because what is said about Israel, in the, God's people in the Old Testament, here in Exodus chapter 19, is exactly what is said about Christians in the New Testament. In uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9, uh, as you're uh, getting there, it might just uh, help if I told you the page number, wouldn't it? And uh, it's uh, 1 Peter and chapter 2 and head for page 1015. You see, it is really important that Christians are, in some ways, like the people of the Old Testament, but actually, uh, it's a, a, a big experience for us. They came through the Red Sea, which is a very big experience for them when God rescued them, but we have come through the cross and ultimately... Uh, the uh, danger and the divide of, of death, and we come through that. And we have uh, this uh, new relationship with God because of Jesus. And yet, what Moses told the people in Exodus chapter 19 is exactly what Peter tells Christians in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? For the sake of other people. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That is what a Christian's job description is. So when you come to this new week, it's not that we go out at this new week thinking, okay, I've got to live carefully and not take risks because God is watching. No, I go out at this week to be careful and not take risks because people are watching. We are the show house. And therefore we need to be careful how we live to show the attractiveness of living with God. 
when you go out this week to live, be aware that other people have their eyes on you. And not just that God is watching. In my last job, uh, I had a couple of good friends, and they said they were going out on holiday. So I said, I knew they were engaged. So I said, uh, that's terrific. Holiday is always a wonderful thing. Uh, they're going to the Lake District. I said, fantastic. The Lake District is a wonderful place. Uh, tell me, uh, where are you two both going to be sleeping? And they said, well, we're going to a pub and we're going to be sharing a room. But don't worry, uh, we won't do anything. Uh, we'll be pure in God's eyes. We'll be staying in a pub, but we have to share a room. But we'll be pure in God's eyes. And I said, but what about the eyes of the rest of the pub? If you're down there and you're having a drink at the bar and people find out that you go to church, you're Christians. What's it like when you go into the same room? And they're watching. And in the end, I, I offered to, off to pay them for a, a, a different room, but they still got the same room. And that man was a, in a leadership position in our church. He stepped down. The meeting came back from holiday. Because we cannot have God's people living like that. Not if we understand what God is like, that he is holy. So we need to live in a way that is attractive, not just to God, but to other people. In fact, that 1 Peter 2 passage tells us, just uh, two verses later, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses uh, 11 and 12. Beloved, I urge you as subjects and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. It is interesting. You'd expect him to say keep your conduct with God honorable. But he says keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. So when they speak against you as evildoers, yes, they still criticize us, but this time they will also see the good deeds and glorify God on the day of his visitation. Because even though they didn't pay attention to the show house, that show house was there. And my friends, this week, it is just so important, isn't it, for us to take this understanding home and to be a godly show house, wherever we happen to be in this coming week, with the people you live next door to, the people you go to work with, if necessary, the person next door to you in the hospital bed, um, wherever you find yourself to be, you are a holy nation amongst the other nations. Live to make the Lord Jesus attractive to them. Let's pray and uh, uh, just have a moment of quiet while we think about this privately and then I'll uh, finish with the prayer in a minute. But let me pray. Father Almighty, help us to take in your love. We're weak and unattractive in so many ways. And yet you tell us that we are your treasured possession. 
We are like priests with access to you all the time. We are a holy nation amongst all the other nations. Please help us to know that you love us and yet at the same time to take in your nature holy and therefore unapproachable apart from through the death of the Lord Jesus. Thank you that he shares with us his perfect purity so that we might live with you safely. And we thank you for him and we pray therefore that we might live both aware that you are our Father but also to live in the fear of the Lord because of your holiness, rightly understanding your nature. And we pray you help us to keep both these things in our minds. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.